I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This DJ Muggs from the Soul Assassin Cypress Hill. You listening to Rebel Radio. Hey, fuck you, Josh. Here we go, baby. 2000 motherfucking 18, 2019. Eddie, you a motherfucking asshole, too. Give me my money, Eddie. Where's my motherfucking money, Eddie? Hey, don't y'all motherfuckers ever lend Eddie Donaldson any motherfucking money. You'll never see it again. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show that brings you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and this week we have a very special episode uh, co-hosted by my man, Eddie Donaldson from Gorilla One, who sometimes joins us, Um, and we were blessed to spend time in the studio with DJ Muggs, founder of Cypress Hill, prolific producer, Uh, apparently he's produced over 65 artists over the years, crossing genres from hip-hop to trip-hop to dubstep, all kind of things. Um, uh, You'll know him as the founder of Cypress Hill and uh, producer of House of Pain. Jump Around, one of my favorite records, Um, but he's still still on the grind. He's bringing us new music right now from Rock Marciano. We got some uh, snippets of that in the episode, and I just love Muggs. It has, has great stories about how you know, over the years, he's put so many people on um, who, you know, are important to our culture and we, we probably wouldn't have known about them uh, if it wasn't for Muggs and Cypress Hill folks like Mr. Cartoon, Esteban Oriol, who was on the show recently, uh, my man, The Alchemist, so many good people, talented people that um, have come through those ranks. And Muggs is generous enough to share some stories with us. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it right after the EDM.com track of the week.
Yeah, that was Send Help with Speechless, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out some more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with DJ Muggs. Man, I appreciate you uh, sitting down with us. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me, fellas. Thank you. Dude, so I, there's a lot of questions I'm, I want to get into, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm mad we didn't think of this earlier uh, to sit down with you. But uh, I do have to tell you, I know people say this, but you, you guys, Cypress Hill, changed my life in a real way. Right. Uh, and, and so I, when I was 19, I was like... Um, trying to kind of find my way into music business, I decided I was going to be a music journalist. And I went into the school paper at UCLA and I told them I wanted to write. And they kind of gave me the runaround because I had never written anything. And I, I didn't know you were supposed to have experience before you get hired, all that shit. And so the, the woman, she kept asking me questions. I was like, I don't have anything. She's like, well, go write something and bring it to me. And I was trying to find it this weekend, but uh, so I went to the Cypress Hill show that night and I wrote a little review of it and brought it in the next day and they hired me Killer. what year was that? that was 91 so I think it was before the album had come out if I'm not mistaken uh, yeah it probably was uh, but you know it was here I, I, I wish I could remember where it was and all that but uh, that started my career as a music journalist mm-hmm. and, you know I went Word. to write for The Source and Vibe and Double XL and all that uh, which never would have happened without you guys so appreciate you cheers brother and then I want to talk about how you guys know each other, and, and there's a lot, but I always like to start at the beginning and how, how you first got into this. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? No, I don't remember the first record I bought. I remember records that my mom bought me. It was like 45s. Yeah. Like the ones I could remember was like Lowrider. I remember for my birthday. I was in third grade. Hell yeah. I got Lowrider, and I got the theme from SWAT. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember getting those 245s. There's probably some more in there. Those are the only two I remember getting. All my friends, the low rider. What about like falling in love with hip hop for the first time? I mean, I heard rap shit, like Treacherous 3 and Uh shit. But the first song I heard that made me catch the fever was Rapper's Delight. It was yeah, like me too. Me too. 79. Yeah. I heard that shit and I was like, the fuck was that shit? Yeah. And then I was just like, I'd hear it coming out of cars and shit, but I used to leave the radio station on all day just to hear that shit come on like four times a day. Just <laughs> waiting for that shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. And you had to try to learn the whole song. Mm-hmm. You went to school. And you, the more you knew, the doper you was. That's right. right. <laughs> so you go to school and the kids just be flipping it and you kick it and. You know, motherfuckers didn't know the words and shit. They was making up their own words. And he was yelling at a motherfucker. That's the wrong word. The fuck you saying? That shit ain't even right. But that was the one right there that just said, just changed everything for me. Yeah, definitely. And then it's funny because I, you know, I remember it. And all of a sudden, hip hop was just jumping off yeah. everywhere as far as we knew. Yeah, like underground. The, the, yeah. the culture was still fucking yeah. small and underground. But it was like, that was our shit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Rock and roll was your parents and your uncle's shit. Mm-hmm. And doo-wop shit was your parents' shit and whatever, but that was that was the urban punk rock right there for us. For sure. At and the then, time I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and I heard it first on a mixtape that someone had taped, 
and then giving it to somebody else, and then they got it to somebody else, yeah, and we yeah, were all yeah. making copies of it. And I think it was on a show off in New York. I don't know what show it was, but we'd always wait for this dude who went to school out there to ship the tape back, and then we'd dub it. Mm. And send them around. So that's and that shit was happening all over. We didn't find out until later. That was happening yeah. all over the world, right? People are like mailing hip hop. Yeah, radio shows. Yeah. Or whatever. Definitely. Didn't have access. Mm. Access was limited back then. For sure. Check it out. Rebel Radio is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit you, your body, your budget, your lifestyle. I had uh, my wife, Christy, go on and sign up, check out the process. Um, She's waiting on her first box right now, but it was a really interesting process. I watched her fill out a really in-depth profile of her tastes, her, um, you know, the colors, the styles, she can pick does she want shoes, accessories, workout clothes, casual clothes, going out clothes, um, you know, pretty much anything. And, and uh, the box, we're waiting on the first box, is customized just to her taste. There's a, her own personal stylist, goes through and hand picks items to send right to the door. You can do the same, get your box, try everything on, pay only for what you love and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges and returns are always free. And even better than that, there's no subscription. You just sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get get it whenever you want. Uh, there's a styling fee of only $20, which applies toward anything you keep from your shipment. We're trying it. I suggest you try it too. Love to hear what you think of it. Get started now at stitchfix.com rebel, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. That's stitchfix.com rebel to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash rep. So how'd you get started making music? I um I started DJing first by accident. Used to go across the street to the homies and get weed and shit. Mm-hmm. They was DJs. I had moved from New York. I was living in Bell Gardens. And they was DJing and I would just mess with their turntables a little bit. Then I started getting better. I was better than them in like a week. And they was like, you want to come do this house party with us? And I was like, I don't know. I was a little nervous and shit. So yeah. I went to the house party and DJed and was like, yo, this shit's cracking. The energy, girls, you know, we in like 10th grade. And then I just started DJing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, started, you know, practicing to get into the DMC. And then I just, you know. So like turntablism. Yeah, all that, all that shit. Yeah. And then, uh. So that's kind of where I started at, just like doing backyard parties in East L.A., Southeast L.A., uh-huh. and, um, you know, progressing, and then um, ended up winning the West Coast Championship DMC in 88. Okay. Aladdin won the East Coast Championship. Yeah. And then I was doing this party in Bell Gardens at um, the park. And one of my boys in Southgate was like, yo, I met these kids from New York in Hollywood. You should come to Hollywood. So I went to Hollywood. Met Brett and Sean from 783. They had a record out called 783 Will Rocky. We're the 783, this is our domain. And you're gonna wanna know from which we came. The pride of our race with the style and the race. So you suck the MCs, the pride of our face. So I was like, yo, y'all wanna come play our party we're doing in East L.A.? And um, 
so we put them on the flyer. We didn't know nobody else with a record out. And then they came. Their DJ didn't show up, so I DJ for them. And then boom, they was like, "You want to be our DJ?" We got three shows coming up with Ice T. Wow. Two of them. One was at Osco's, mm -hmm. which is where the Beverly Center is now. Yeah. There was a club there before, so we in did the, that. In the basement, right? We did the three shows, man. And then they's like, "You want to be our DJ?" And I was like, "All right, cool." So I told B and Sen, I was like, look, man, I'm going to go over here and do this. We're going to figure out the music business and um, see what's going on with this Hollywood shit and stuff. Because we never went to Hollywood or nothing yet. So we um, started doing the 783 shit. Then um, a couple weeks later, we got a song in um, Colors, the mm. soundtrack called Mad Mad World. So we went up to um, Matt Dyke's spot on Santa Monica at Delicious Vinyl mm -hmm. and I um, recorded the song up there and I remember them playing me the tone low demos and shit the shit didn't come out yet you know like on fire and yeah. I got it going on and shit so, yep. all right. and um, so we got the song in the got the song in the movie and then 783 got an album deal so I, got, I had all these fucking ideas and shit for the record I was like 18, man. They wasn't letting me produce the record, but somebody produced m my ideas. Mm -hmm. The record came out good, but I was mad. I was like, that ain't what I wanted this shit to sound like, man. Fuck. So I went and saved up shit, got my own drum machine, and just started working on the Cypress demos at that point. Mm -hmm. With being and you know, we was, I was in the group and then working on, like, you know, Cypress is our hood, and then, you know, just figuring this shit out. There was no fucking you know, music business 101 back then or making it a band or any of that shit. So he was just right, on right, the right. drive training and shit. So 783 got the album, shit came out and it was like the crash course in like music business 101 going through that project. Yeah. You know, we said we was managed by Russell, Rush Management. And uh, just learning, sitting down with Mr. Bill and them asking us like, what's your concept? What's your logo? And at the time, man, I was like, what's the concept? <laughs> right. You didn't know that. Yes, sure. You like what's this shit all about? Yeah, oh. like we got these songs. We started breaking it down to us, like, yo, this is Public Enemies, this, you know, LL Cool J's, this, Run DMC's the gangster of rap, Slick Rick's the storyteller, you know, these are the logos and shit. We was like, all right. So I took all this information back to Cyprus. So while we was developing our sound and our style for those first three years before the album came out, we knew, oh, we need a logo. What's the concept? What's the shit? So by the time we came out, Eventually, shit was foolproof. Mm. And what did you, what was the answer you came up with? How did you describe the concept at that time? It was just our shit. Our shit was just us. The shit that was going on in Cypress Avenue. Okay. Basically, everything we were just doing on the block, that was just, we were just telling stories about that shit. You know, we smoked a gang of weeds. We was talking about that on our songs. Mm -hmm. At the time, motherfuckers wasn't talking about that shit. So we just yeah. took what we was doing and took it into the studio and stopped hanging out on the block and started just, you know, getting high and shit in the lab and making songs and shit. Yeah, do you remember the first time you heard Cypress? I do. I was at, I was in the Valley on Winneka and Oso at this kid named Fever from CBS LOD's house and he, we were in the basement, they were drawing, we were smoking, drinking 40s and I remember he handed me the cassette to put in the thing and I looked at it, I was like, what is this shit? I'm like, yeah, okay, boom, I put it in. And it was, it was like immediately it was over. We were just like, we listened to it like eight times in a row. It yeah. was like the anthem. It was the, it never came out the tape deck after that. For sure. And that was before it blew because it took a minute. It kind of mm -hmm. slow burned at first. 
and I was trying to tell people, you know this? They're like, no, I ain't heard it yet. He's putting people onto it. And then a couple months later, it was everybody was listening to it. But I remember exactly where I was when I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was into the album cover because of the art. Like, I was feeling the, the, right. the cover, you know, because it was dope. I just knew it was a game changer, like, from the first yeah, time I sure heard it. Was. You know? Um, so when did you know? Like, thinking back, that story is like, kind of one thing leads to another. But when did it break? When did you know, like, we, we really got something? We knew it, man. We knew we had something. But now it's like, now you got to turn it over to the label. Right. Now you got 30 motherfuckers you got to depend on to yeah. get your shit out there. Now you got to go go sell my vision. Cause That's I right. I don't sell music. I make music. That's right. Give it to y'all motherfuckers. You go sell it. So now it's like, we knew we had some shit. We knew motherfuckers was hearing it. It was like, yo, shit is real. So we put it out. We went, we went on tour right away. We knew we wasn't going to get no radio play, mm-hmm. you know, no video play. We was Because all the sh- shit we liked didn't get on the radio. So we was like, all right, we got to go do this shit like punk rock style and get on the road and go get a f- couple of new fans every day and just get in front of motherfuckers. Because once they see this shit, once they hear this shit, you know, they're going to they're gonna jump on board. So we hit the road, man. We was on the road doing fucking, playing at one stops, which they mm-hmm. don't got no more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we'd be playing in front of 16 people eating breakfast, you know what I mean? So for anybody that doesn't know, yeah. a one-stop is where the record stores used to get, get the their records. records. Yeah. Right. So you were playing in front of rest- record store owners? Yeah, you know, you go to the one-stop and you go in there and meet them and then he's going to push your record to the record stores, all the independent spots around town. So we was out there, we was doing college radio, man. College radios, you know, was a big thing. That was like the internet back mm-hmm. then, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. And then um, in New York, they started playing Killer Man, and the shit started bubbling, stretching. Barbito was blowing that shit up. Flex was blowing it up. Um, we was on tour with Naughty, following Naughty by Nature around in the van. Mm. It was like five, six of us in the van following their tour bus. Six to a room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rotating beds every day. You sleep on the floor, you know what I mean? Doing right. that shit. And then we had a weekend in New York, so we did Killer Man video. We did Count on the Pump video. And then, uh, Killer Man came out, and then the shit started bubbling right there. It was already, record been out for like six months at this point. Right. But we knew back then, you know, you knew like underground records took a time to burn to like, you got to spread, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you got to bring the fucking fire to these places and start the fire. So once the video came out and it was on the box, box it started cracking on the box and it started cracking at um, UMTV Raps, which was like the fucking... It's like the video Bible. Everybody ran home to watch that shit. Mm-hmm. And Ed Lover and Dre started playing our shit two, three times a week. You know, you're getting that shit on there twice a week. Yeah, you're killing it. Shit Big. started cracking, like, clack. Yeah. And um, you start seeing the shit on the charts, climbing, climbing, climbing. And then while that shit's happening and all the New York DJs are bumping that shit, Juice comes out, and then our song gets in, you know, the epic scene at the end. Mm-hmm. So all that shit, you know, all the stars aligned at that time. We going up, boom, boom, boom. We went up to number three. Start moving 75, 85,000 records a week. Crazy. That way, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Slow burn, man. Just out there working that shit, going, working the streets. You know what I mean? Once that shit catches fire in the streets, 
it starts bubbling its way up. So that was like, then at that point, we were just on the road. We was on the road like eight months a year for the first three or four years. Yeah. Just out there just fucking doing it. You know, I think it's so crazy about that is like, like all of a sudden your whole life has changed. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, like you said, you, you got years of ideas built up in your head and on paper and, and you know, in your, in your dad tapes or whatever it was, your floppy disks. And then all of a sudden you're just on a plane back-to-back shows all over the world. Signing autographs. Yeah. It's like, this is a huge change in your life. Almost, not overnight, like you said, it's a slow burn, but compared to the rest of your life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. How does that change the way you make music after that? Well... I just, I was, I mean, me, I just try to be authentic, make sure I'm authentic, and um, <clears throat> my shit don't sound like nothing. So that that's important. So being out there on the road, I started working with other bands, so I used to just make music all the time. Now being on the road, and really, it was kind of hard to make music back then on the road. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? You're traveling, you're not sleeping. You had to pull out turntables and drum machines and speakers, um, rent studios, so I would not really do shit till I got to the crib, and then, mm-hmm. you know wasn't really no time off for probably the first six years because I was working with other bands so every time I was finishing tour I was right in the studio so first six years I didn't even take vacations or nothing tour right. was vacation yeah no doubt if you're enjoying this one um, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives check out one of my very first interviews was my man AMG another west coast hip hop legend G was um, kind enough to come on with it with uh, us at the beginning when we really didn't know what we're doing. Unlike now, when we're experts at this shit. But um, you know, he had some funny stories telling us what it was like uh, coming off a of "Bitch Better Have My Money," which was a huge underground hit, and just trying to figure out his way forward and had some of the the twists and turns that life and work has taken him. Um, that's a good one. But of course, let's finish up now with DJ Muggs. Um, I, my approach was the same, though. You know, just come in, do my shit, just whatever zone I'm in, that's where I'm at at the time. So, you know, as time went on and I started embracing technology and bringing technology to the forefront, things stopped. Things started to change, but, you know, you always want to always harness that same energy and just bring that energy that I already that energy's just sunk into my DNA. I could bring that energy to now, you know what I mean? And round some shit off and always bring that, that energy with me wherever I'm at. Sure. So, you know, that's the consistency throughout the years and being able to do your shit 30 years later and it's still banging, you know what I mean? It's amazing. How did, how did House of Pain get in the, in the fold? How did that, how'd you meet them dudes? I met House of Pain, but I was going out with this girl Her cousin was going out with uh, Lior, the DJ. And, you know, I'd go over there, and they'd, they'd be there, and I'd pick her up and shit. And I gave her, we had a red tape that was like the, the, the promotional copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The promotional copy. VIP joint. So I go over there, and, you know, all of a sudden I go there one day, and there's Everlast on the couch. I was like, I think he took her tape from her. She's like, you took my tape? I was like, I'll get you another one. <laughs> he was like, yo, what's up? What's up? We got to go in the studio. I'm like, all right. 
So I brushed him off for like a month, you know, I was like, and then I was- Well, he, already, he had already had a record out, but yeah, that was, didn't really do nothing. He got the neck. The iced t-shirt. He had come back with suits on, I was like, <laughs> the neck I ain't was really dope. fucking with that shit. It wasn't my shit. But Eric was cool. Yeah. I liked Eric, and I was like, all right, man, you know, after getting to know him a few times, I was like, Eric's cool. So me and Eric went, I said, come to the crib. He came to my, my crib in Bell Gardens. My, I used to stay in the back house where my aunt lived. And we did this song called um, Don't Give a Fuck. It was all right. It was not really, whatever. And then uh, we came back again. We did Put Your Head Out. And at that point, all the homies was bumping that shit. Like, I'd give it to Sam and give it to everybody. Mm -hmm. Shit's fly. And one day I was kicking it. And I wasn't really sure I wanted to fuck with any other groups because I was just about didn't want to give my sound away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one day Beaver was like, hey, man, just go ahead and work with that, man. You know, work with, do that shit. And I was like, all right, then. You sure? He's like, yeah. So I had this shit already, this song called Jump Around. I had did it with Sun Doobie and I did a couple demos. I had the concept. And I was telling Eric, yo, I got this song, man, come through. So he did. Eric came through. He started writing. I was like, yo, this part is dope right here. Keep this part. He rewrote the song. You know, and um, I was like, yo, that shit banging. Then I was like, yo, man, this solo shit ain't going to work, though. Mm. You know, it's really important to have, um, you know, you can't make a first impression twice. Like, that, I got the knack in that suit, and I don't know what's going on with <laughs> you over there, you know what I mean? But that has already put a stain on you. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, all right, cool. He was open to listen. So he came back the next day, man, and he was like, I got it. He goes, House of Pain. It's some gangster Irish shit. I'm gonna bring my boy Danny Boy into the shit. You know, I think at the time Eric was staying on Danny's couch. I think Danny had a punk rock band called House of Pain and he had the concept. And Danny mm. was, you know, Danny's Irish. And so I was like, yo, that shit is dope. All right, so we um, added another song to the demo. We had Put Your Head Out. I put, and then um, we started shopping the deal and shit. I mean, that's so crazy. Like, you know, Cyprus was huge. And then this fucking jump around was just like the biggest thing in the world. It really was. Yeah, that shit was ill too. I gave, I played that beat for Q. Is that right? For he passed on it. And yeah. I, I B-Real rhymed, I mean, B-Real just kicked a freestyle one day and I was like, yo, like, that shit would have been mm -hmm. on Black Sunday mm -hmm. if I never worked with House of Fame. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. How'd you guys meet? I don't know the answer to that question. I honestly don't. I mean, I don't. Re I don't remember like a specific time I met him. Like I met him at this day. I just, it just feels like I've known him since the House of Pain times. And he's always there. Well, because I worked with I worked with House of Pain. Obviously, Danny Boy was my homie. So I think we at some point had a party for Eric. If I can try to drill it down, like Eric got a jail party or one of these things where we actually physically met. Mm -hmm. But I think the first time I remember ever like having a conversation and breaking bread with Mugs was on the on the Napster tour maybe or something we were all sitting around with Paul Rosenberg and shit like that's the first time we actually had a conversation besides yeah. like what's up dog good to see you alright peace out Yeah, I think that's the first time I ever like for me the first impression I ever had like that stuck but we were always around each other sure so wait so you're talking about your I, I get that point about not wanting to give your sound away um, but then obviously you know you've produced dozens and dozens of artists over the years I think Wikipedia has you at like 65 artists. I'm sure there's probably more. Mm. Well, you start, you know, that's early on now. Yeah. So I had a sound. 
then you learn how to adapt and adopt. And as you start making other people's records, as I started learning, I was like, I'm going to give everybody their own sound. You know what I mean? But yeah. I think for those first few years, the sound I created, I gave to the first few groups that mm -hmm. was up, that stepped up to mm -hmm. the plate. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that now? Like when you sit down to work, you know, I know you got this Rock Marcy record. Yo, lime green galato. I'm like Marlo without the scar uh, You know how karma go. The AR strap go over the collarbone. I bone fly holes in Ferragamo. My shine still glow from behind the blindfolds. Rock the frozen Montega, the Roly Sky Dweller. Uh, they crashed the Regero on La Cienega. I don't. I got a. I got a sound I make for Cypress that I don't make for nobody else right. because I've learned. I've just learned over the years. You know, I learned right after I did that first wave of shit. I was like, oh, you got to give each group their own sound. Yeah, fits their own personality. That's their own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and then I, now I just I know who I'm working with and shit, and I know what they would sound good on. But at the same time, when they come in, I was like, okay, I know this. This is the bread and butter. Mm -hmm. But let's experiment on these two or three joints and see what we can come up with and flip program up. So we'll flip them up. You know, me and Rock got a couple we didn't use. Mm -hmm. You know, try a couple of different things. And I tried that with everybody. I was like, just trust me. This, we could just throw it away. If you don't like it, nobody will ever hear it. Let's just try some different shit. Sure. I mean, that's so important because I think in any business, most people ran out of ideas long before right. what, what you've achieved. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know... You work with tons of artists, visual, yeah, music. Absolutely. You know, if you have one good idea, you're lucky. Yeah, no doubt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I like working with new artists. Like, I turned down so much work, probably fucking millions of dollars worth of work, because there's pop artists, the mm -hmm. artists I didn't like, and I just didn't want to do it for them. I didn't care. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I didn't want to be just the producer that was hired to do one song for your album, and one song for your album, and one song for your album. So... I stayed away from that a lot because my shit was like, I want to do the whole record mm -hmm. and own the whole record. And I want input on the videos. I want input on the album covers. Like, I'm more of an artist where I want to put the whole project together. Yeah, you want to get enjoyment You want to break it. it. Yeah, yeah. So, when it, at, at, at a time in like 97, instead of doing a lot of songs for people, I just had everybody come and do a solo assassin record with me and brought everybody to my world and put my own records out with everybody that I wanted to work with mm -hmm. on the records. And, you know, we just build... We, we're, we're more into like instead of out there like that more into we've always been soul assassins has been building our own ecosystem yeah helping each other achieve our goals making each other rich you know making sure every time I'm doing some of the stuff I involve my team they involve me and you know go through all this Hollywood bullshit cause motherfuckers wanna jump on your train they wanna blow up and they never wanna come back for sure and help you out when, yeah. when they get to a position where they can come do something for you. You know what I mean? So we got the Soul Assassin crew that we just make sure we always, wherever we connect, we're just pulling each other in, pulling each other in. We've been doing that forever. So, so how do you do that? I mean, you have, um, obviously, you, you know, you've put a lot of people on through that throughout the years. And uh, how does that, like... How does it work? Like, it's not a company, right? It's a brotherhood, man. Okay. It's a brotherhood. So, there's just the understanding, man. There's just, you know, everybody has, um, everybody stands for the same thing, you know. Everybody's got a strong set of morals mm -hmm. and um, the way we like to do things. So, just with that understanding, man, um, we've been able to help each other. 
in all ways for myself and all the groups we work with and you know and Alchemist and Esteban and Cartoon and everybody just be successful and, and utilize each other's resources you know what I mean so what do you look for in somebody before you kind of let them into the circle um, I don't really let motherfuckers t into the circle circle but if, if we're gonna if I decide if I decide I'm gonna work with you man first of all you know the music's cool I'm like all right your music is dope. Right. Okay, that part's going to be easy. Then I want to see if they're cool. Mm -hmm. And then are you workable? Mm -hmm. Ready to work? You coachable? You just like... So I like, you know, I'm not in no rush. So I'll figure it out. We do a song. See how it comes out. You know? See how they take criticism. Mm -hmm. um, and then if motherfuckers is cool and they're easy to work with, you proceed to the next. You know what I'm saying? And just... Take everything slow and take everything easy, man, and just, like, see. Just, you know, let, let motherfuckers reveal themselves, you know what I mean? Because we know everybody's, you know, acting right at the beginning. Everybody's cool when you need them. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, then shit changes. On the first day. Let some time go by, man, and let me see how you act. Let me see your work ethics. Let me see how your work ethics are over time, you know what I mean? Let me see. If you say what you're going to do and you do it, does it add up, you know what I mean? Do mm -hmm. I got to chase you? You chasing mm -hmm. me, you want it. You want point, you get in the picture. So, you know, that's kind of like how I do it now. I mean, you talk about that, how, how people take criticism. I think, you know, in our business, everybody wants to smile and say it's all good, you know. It's creative criticism. You got to trust who you're working with. Yeah. If you're going to work with me, <clears throat> I want to take your shit to the next level. Mm -hmm. if, you know, if, and that's like I said before, I like working with newer cats because I get a chance to make them bigger, make them doper, you know what I'm saying? So for Jay-Z or something, you're going to give him a dope beat, it's dope already, it's going to sound good on fucking basically anything. I'm sure. Give him an 808 and a hi-hat, he'll kill it, right? So I tell dudes, man, basically it's like all your thinking and all your planning and all your great ideas got you exactly to where you are right now. And if you like that, that's cool. But if you're ready to go to the next spot right there, it's going to take a little bit of a little bit of different thinking, trying some new things, and a little bit of trust. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we'll keep every bit of integrity and in exactly who you are, but just or just master it a little bit more. And you know, that's pretty much what I tell the kids. And then we go from there. We have a hundred percent success rate. So that's can't big. lose. Yeah, well, I don't know how to lose, man. Yeah. We never lose at anything. I think so, it's important to forget. I just don't know what it's like, man. So we go 100%. Don't know how to do anything halfway either. So anything we decide we're going to put our time and energy into, we just go 100%. And then that's it. Sit back. We'll take some holidays, you know what I mean? Smoke a Cuban. That's right. Take the kids to Disneyland. For sure. Eat some sushi. Take the dog for a hike. <laughs> Simple things, baby. Gucci. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to, I know you're joking, but you got to make time for that shit uh, if you're going to make a career last. Well, basically for anything, it's just a balancing act, man. Yeah. As a man, you just got to balance everything. You know what I mean? Feed everything. Fucking give it love, give it water, give it sunshine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can balance it all and give all everything, everything it needs. You're going to be all right. You know what I mean? You're not going to be rushing around you're not going to be working behind the eight ball your whole life and act like you ain't got enough time. So you set your shit up, man. There's enough time for everything. 
no time to do it all, no time, you know, we need to enjoy shit, no mm -hmm. time to <clears throat> take breaks and work hard. So, you know what I mean, you just got to focus a little bit. And it ain't really that hard. Just got to slow down. It's that concept, you know what I mean? Don't sure. go fast to slow down and you'll get more done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little magic trick. That's right. Um, so, like, you, you, you know, you built this, this thing and you put all these people on. Who's... Who's helped you or who's mentored you along the way? Um, <clears throat> I don't really have a mentor. Like, I got some mentors when it comes to business, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and, and, and finances. Mm -hmm. um, but in the music, I was, we just inspire each other, man, me and my friends. And, yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> me and my contemporaries that I'm inspired all the time by a lot of people. Um, most recently, though, you know, I'm just in, right now I'm into like um, Alejandro Jodorowsky's films. Okay. You know, reading reading a lot of his books and poetry and shit. Fucking with him. Um, do you do you into a lot of Dolly? You know what I mean? Just studying Dolly, just studying these oh, wow. these great minds and their mindsets. You know what I mean? I haven't been looking at a lot of music. I don't. You know, inspiration comes from a lot of places. I probably got enough ideas for ten more lifetimes already in my fucking brain that'll never get out. You know sure. what I'm saying? But just to like, you know, <clears throat> you got to keep the muscle working all the time, the, the creative muscle, man, you know. So like books and movies like that, do, can you see how that stuff influences your music? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, music is very visual. When I make my music, it's visual for me. Okay. So, any, you know, anything visual, I just put it through the um, filter and spit it out like this. Nice. What, um, you, you mentioned finances. So going back to the early days. What's the dumbest thing you bought when you first got some money? I don't remember. I wasn't dumb like that though. Okay. I've been I've been all right since. That's why we're still here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I bought jewelry. I still got it, like Rolexes and all kind of shit. But you know, that shit sitting there. That would probably, you know. It's probably worth more now. Yeah, price will go one up definitely. I think it's like you know, thirteen hundred. Probably like six, seven hundred back then. So. Right. Eddie, what's, first, what's the dumbest thing you bought when you first got oh God, some list, cash in your pocket? too long. <laughs> you still doing it. I've crashed a car and went and bought a new one the next day. Had three cars crash one. I mean, it, I just, I never had his money, but right. what money He's I did He's more have. of a rock star than you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to try harder than you. That's why, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to keep up. Yeah, but I, I, I was definitely dumb. My first, second, and third trip around. This time I'm trying to be, I'm following his lead. Okay. You know, for real. I'm definitely listening to everything he says and, and, and trying to put that into action, into motion. So far, so good. Nice. We were talking about this uh, earlier, how, you know, now hip-hop is like mainstream. It's, it's in there with pop music. It's and over the top now. It took over the world. For sure. Everything. Yeah, everybody's on it. But, but before that, when you guys were getting started, like, there was a pretty clear line between you know, rap and R&B, definitely. Um, but the rock kids and the rock bands were, you know, were the first ones, I think, to to embrace hip-hop. Mm. Whether it was taking, to, you know, I, don't, I know you guys played a lot of rock festivals. Yep. And... Uh, Happy did that record, Judgment Night. Yeah, Judgment which Night. Which was dope to me. You know, man, it's like, I'm a rock fan. Like, I grew up, with an uncle that was a few years older. Mm -hmm. I shared a room with him, my mom's brother. 
and I was like six years old, but I just remember eight track tapes. Mm -hmm. I remember black lights, velvet posters, yeah, beads when you walked in the room, lava lamp, lava lamps, incense, smelling that funny smell. Sometimes <laughs> you didn't know what weed was yet. You just remember That's that right. smell. You know what I mean? Like, I figured it was an incense, but it was I don't uh -huh. know what the fuck it was. So uh, my uncle showed me how to use his reel to reels and shit. So. You know, That's great. I was I learned rock and roll like early, just like the the visuals of rock. And um, as far as rap, I've always and I always liked rock, yeah. classic rock and shit. I wasn't into the '80s metal and none of that shit. It wasn't really my shit. But <clears throat> then rap, you know, you know, you got somebody like Rick Rubin, and you listening to LL Cool J, and you like, yo, oh, it's the same rock and roll energy. He's just trying, that shit's got that rock and roll energy, you know what I mean? And then yeah. he did the same shit for Run DMC, he had that rock and roll energy in the Beasties and PE, and that's that festival shit, man. And that's the shit that really, you know, besides other underground hardcore shit like EPMD and Ultra Magnetics, like Run DMC, Public Enemy, LL, like that shit was like, yo. So I think we, I think we always brought that rock and roll energy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That transfers to fucking festivals. And, um, you know that's what that is the first ones open the doors and like kick the doors open we all know it was Errol Smith and Run so right you know I mean we just went in there and was like this music's bigger man we just gonna go we played with everybody we played with Bjork one night we played with Lauren Hill the next festival we played with Slayer the next festival yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah it's just like good music's good music yeah we Cypress one of those bands where it's like I don't like rap but I like Cypress Hill I don't like rap I like the Beastie Boys I don't right. like rap but I like you know sure yeah. I mean, even that, like, uh, you know, there was a whole genre for a minute of that, like, rock bands were rappers. Yeah. A lot of, you know what it is, though? Then it got funny, because these motherfuckers in rock bands, like, they sound like ass on a rap beat. <laughs> but if you're a decent rapper, you'll sound pretty cool on a rock band. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so I seen that. But then there was the ones that was ill as fuck that can really fucking rhyme and spit like Zach and shit. Uh-huh. That just took that shit like they took that shit somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. But you hear like the Public Enemy and that shit. You know, when you right. hear Rage, you like that's like the rock and roll Public Enemy. But Definitely. they just fucking put their flip on that shit and like blew it up. Yeah. What um? How do you think about the legacy that you're leaving? Oh yeah, the legacies. You know, we ain't done, man. So. What, what? I mean, we're, we're gonna be here. We're gonna be set in stone like like Ramsey the Second. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're gonna be here for the next thousands, boy. You know. That's we're, right. We're, we're gonna make sure we write everything in stone too. So it's gonna last. It's gonna stand the test of time. So so where do you take that? Like like the early days was just shit starts to snowball, right? Now, you know, you're in a position you can choose what to say yes and no to, you can like, so, so where do you like, where do you go with thinking about what, what you want to do next? Um, I'm already on to, I'm already working on 2020 projects right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's all one big thing. It just morphs and it just bends and you just, you just flow with it. You just stay on the flow. Sometimes you call an audible, flip shit up, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, you just flow, man. It's, I don't separate work from music or nothing. Everything's just one one thing to me, and I'm always making music. You know what I mean? I went to Egypt for a month, studied everything in Egypt there was to study, and at the oh, same shit. time was in the studio every night. 
you know what I mean? So, and you know, <clears throat> was in Thailand, did the same thing. So now we just intertwine things and just, you know, always doing everything at all times, you know what I yeah. mean? So it's just, it's fun like that. I don't, I don't put them in separate categories. I'm like, I'm gonna make music just now for these right. next three months. So I'll travel, you know, same shit. You stay healthy, you stay in the books, you stay in the gym, eat good, you make music, take care of the motherfucking family, hang out with the homies, night on the town, and all that shit is just constantly brewing. Yeah. I love it. Um, are you, so we were talking about other genres for a minute, and I know you've made a trip-hop record, you, you've done some drum and bass, uh, or, or, or dubstep. Like, how is that... How do you do that? How do you just move in and out of, of different styles? Well, that, I do it for fun, man. Yeah. I do it for fun just to test myself. You know, like, let me, oh, okay. Let me just do that shit and exercise this, this muscle and just have some fun with it. So I did that. I did Rock Superstar and shit was like, oh, everybody's doing rock and rap shit right now. Let me show y'all, like, this shit ain't that hard. So let me do this one real quick. Yeah. Let me show y'all. So. so you want to be a rock superstar and live large, big house, five cars, you're in charge. I just do it to fuck with my head, man, and, and just challenge myself and try different shit because I know what I can do. Mm -hmm. I, I know what my comfort zone is, but I like to go outside. You know, stretch yourself, man, and then you can come back and bring shit to your shit and stretch your shit and keep your shit the same because it's that great art of staying the same but being different, you know? Yeah, it's a workout, right? Yeah, man. Stretching the muscle. It's crazy to hear him say, I'm just going to stretch the muscle and fuck with my head a little bit, but it's probably one of the fucking best songs of all time. So oh, I love that song. Of that, of this era. For sure. You know, because, I mean, it really is. Like, every time it comes on, no doubt, you're going to get fucking a little a little hyphy, a little amp. Somebody's getting fucking knocked out. Somebody's <laughs> going to get pregnant. Like, it's just one of those things. It's life action causing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to get another shot. You're going to hit the fucking joint again. You're gonna hit your homeboy a little too hard in the chest and make him cough. Cold as ice. You know, that's great. I love it. What uh, where do you see yourself in ten years? Like not professionally, but personally. I like where? That shit open to the field of infinite possibilities. You know what I mean? That's too a specific thing for me. That's a cold I'm answer. Just gonna, I'm just gonna be growing, dog, and just expanding and enjoying myself and having a good motherfucking time with good people, eating some good food. You know what I mean? Laughing my ass off. Mm. Keep That's a good answer. Love it. I'm seeing myself right there as well. What about you? Yeah, if I could do three of those things, I'll be happy. <laughs> You're doing all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same. It's about growing, right? It's about not doing the same shit over again, not making the same mistakes over again. Nah, you gotta, like, I always look for the unexpected things. I want things to be unexpected. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know what's going to happen, so. Right. Just diving into that and just being open to shit and just following fucking paths that you might have normally never followed before. That's, that's just, that shit makes it fun, because what comes out well, through, through door number two and th when you come out of the next door number three, that's that shit you was looking for. You just got to be willing to fucking flip it up a bit. What's the last time you can think of that you did that? Oh, that's all all day. Yeah. That's how I live my existence, man. So I just stay open to shit. And, uh, you know what I mean? Nice. I stay disciplined as a motherfucker, though. Like military, militaristic. So give me, give me an example. What's the... 
just to What's keep, the routine? Just keep that focus. There ain't a routine, man. I don't got a day-to-day routine. I get bored with the motherfucking routine. Mm-hmm. You know, just stay focused, man. Everybody can find their thing to make them stay focused and stay disciplined. You know, so. What's yours, Ed? What's my what? Your thing to make you stay disciplined. I, mean, I just like to work, man. Like hustle. If I'm not working, then I'm, I'm everything's fucked. If I'm not, if I can't, work grind. is. This is just creative, like business and making money. Mm-hmm. It ain't work, really. This is just fun. It's like a game. It's yeah. like a little riddle, a little maze. You got to figure your way through it to get the prize. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Shit is, is fun. It's like let me figure this shit out right here. Oh, let me figure this puzzle out. You know That's right. Put this shit together. So nice. Getting the prize is it's pretty. The hunt, is pretty key. The hunt is fun. You know what I mean? Keep it interesting. For sure. I think it's when people start to feel entitled to it that it stops being fun. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Don't let up, man, because that shit go quick. Yeah. You know, no entitlement either. That shit don't exist. So what's the next uh, projects that you're excited about? Right now, um, new Cypress Hill album called mm-hmm. Elephants on Acid. Um, banging. It's a dope record. I listened it to it this weekend. projects are in the works for um, 19 and 20. We got nice. a bunch of shit coming, but that's the focus right there, man. So Yeah, we got a little secret thing we're working on that we can't talk about, but it's going to be big. Come on, man. World premiere. Can't talk about it. No, man. We I, ain't ready. You know, man, no, all that, I'm, I'll sit here and tell you 30 things I'm doing, but until that shit's ready to yeah, go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it ain't time to talk about it. That's you know, right. We just take it easy, but right now, man, this Chaos album is retarded. Fucking retarded. Nice. And um, the Cypress joints retarded. And we got a lot of cool shit planned for Cypress. Um, a lot of things we dropped and a lot of new shit, new videos and shit. So that shit is fun as hell right there. Being back with the family. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, doing our thing, man. Always mm-hmm. enjoy that. Nice. All right, I got a quick lightning round before we get out of your way. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? It depends, man, what kind of mood I'm in. I'm, I'm ready to go to New York again, though, right now. Okay. Get some New York energy. Real quick. Sure. What was Egypt like? Egypt was ridiculous. Um, I got homies out there, so I stayed out there in the hood with them, and you know, just culturally, musically, yeah, food, people, like shit is dope. So you know, we was out there with the descendants of Muhammad. Nice. You know, was learning shit. Sure. Taking class and um, with the descendants of Solomon, you know, learning learning Solomon's magic. We got to stay the night in the king's chamber. Uh-huh. And um, went to Lexor, Ansois, Cairo. Um, found street musicians, took nice. them in the studio. Oh, that's the cool. Fools we'd see on the street, you know, I'd be like, how much you want to go in the studio? It'd be like $5. We'd give yeah. 100 Yeah. You know, um, Eating pigeons out there, you know what I mean? Fucking. Did you say eat, eating pigeons? Yeah, they eat pigeons out there. They eat the turtle doves, the uh-huh. white pigeons. Yeah. Stuff them with rice. 
What's wrong with that? It's not the dirt pigeons. It's not the same pigeons. Okay, all right. Okay. You got fidgety. <laughs> I'm a weird. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, whenever you go, some you're making Eddie uncomfortable. You, you need to absorb. You, you can't roll around like a tourist. You need to just right. absorb yeah, yourself. Yeah, you got to do like they do. That, that, that's the fun about. Otherwise, stay home, right? For me, yeah. When motherfuckers go out there, want to go to Tony Roma's. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you going, fool? Relax, man. What the people do? All right, fuck it. I'll eat a pigeon. Exactly. Take, take me. I'll go. It's so all that shit. Just making music and different instruments. And just, yeah. Everywhere you go is a whole other thing, so I, see, I enjoy that shit, man. Who's your favorite DJ? Oh, fuck, I got a lot of them motherfuckers, man. Um, I like Molly Maul, though. Molly Maul, that, that inspired me. Him and, like, Tony G on the radio, Tony okay. G from K-Day. Yeah, yeah. And listening to Molly Maul and Mr. Magic Show. Hell yeah. But then I flip it. You go from BLS to Kiss, and it'd be Chuck Chill Out and Red Alert. Those were good, too. Like That time right there, it was good. Yeah. Tony G. Tony G brought all that shit from New York. Yeah. I had this shit too because I'd bring it, but then I'd hear him play it. was like, damn, okay. Like, nobody else brought, had those records yet back right. then, you know, the late 80s and shit. And Tony G, like, basically set LA off to where it is right now. For sure. What's the last great book you read? Um, <clears throat> what is it? Um, Word is a Weapon about Che Guevara. Oh, cool. I haven't read it. I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah, it's yes, right. Audio book. Yeah, for sure. That counts as reading, right? Yeah. Well, you okay. got to be reading the book. And you can be listening to a few audio books at the same time. But you got to be reading one. I do. I do. I go back and forth. Yeah, I, I listen to, yeah, I do the same shit, but I always read one. But I like the audio because I can do it at the gym. Oh, I just get some, more reading time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I fuck with a lot of Drive the books. Yeah. Yeah, Yo, that was DJ Muggs on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Shout out to Eddie Donaldson. Thank you for co-hosting this one with me. We got some more coming up with Eddie in the near future. Um, make sure you hit us on our socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at Rebel Radio Net. We got some videos, video clips from some of the episodes um, showing up on YouTube. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.